0: It's Monday, June 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Amid the protests against police brutality sweeping the country after the death of George Floyd, there have been many calls to defund the police. The concept is to take away money from police department budgets, which can be in the billions in some cities, and move that money to community services. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti just announced that the LAPD budget could be cut by up to $150 million and reinvest that money into communities of color. I'll tell you more about the growing calls to defund the police. Next, as we continue to reopen the country after the coronavirus pandemic shut everything down, one industry that has yet to formalize a plan to get back is the entertainment industry. What we do know is that whatever the plan is that eventually comes out, it will be expensive to restart production. There will be shorter shooting days and longer shooting schedules. Cast and crews will be put in quarantine. There will be breaks for temperature checks and COVID testing, and new personnel dedicated to health and safety. Adam V. Vary, senior entertainment writer at Variety, joins us for the pricey plan to restart production. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: To be able to invest in jobs and community programs, healing for our Black community, other communities of color, for women and others who have been historically denied equitable opportunities. And yes, that comes from multiple places, including our biggest department, the police department. Amid all of the
0: protests going on around the country in support of George Floyd and against police brutality, there's another movement that's gaining a lot of traction, and you're hearing it in the calls from the protesters. It's the movement to defund police. For many years, activists have pushed U.S. cities and states to cut law enforcement budgets amid this dramatic rise in spending on police and prisons, while funding for other social services have gone down or disappeared altogether. And while a lot of officials have said, you know, this is a fantasy, it's never going to happen, the recent unrest and a lot of these budget shortfalls that cities and states are experiencing because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's inspired a lot of more mainstream recognition of some of the arguments on this. So, What does it mean to defund the police? There's a lot of different strategies around this. Some are merely just opposing police budget increases. Others are advocating for mass reductions in spending on departments. And some are fighting for full defunding as a step towards abolishing police forces. That one will probably be a little more difficult to come by. But they all want a reinvestment of those dollars. So the concept basically is when cities start investing in community services, they reduce the need to call police in instances where police officers might not be required. You know, if someone is dealing with a mental health crisis or someone has a substance abuse disorder, they can call other entities that are better equipped to help with these folks that are having the problems. In some cases, police themselves admit that they're being called to respond to a lot of situations that are beyond the scope of their jobs. They're being asked to do too much. And you can see some of that frustration as Dallas Police Chief David Brown said in 2016, after some of his officers were targeted by a mass shooter, he said, every societal failure, we put it off on the cops to solve. Not enough mental health funding, let the cops handle it. In Dallas, they have a a loose dog problem, let the cops chase loose dogs. He said that policing was never meant to solve all of those problems. But as we're looking at these visuals of what's going on right now, these huge militarized and at times violent police forces responding to peaceful protests, This has led a lot of people to question whether the police really need this much money and firepower. So let's take a quick look at a snapshot of some of the city budget debates that have escalated this week. Los Angeles, the police budget is at $1.8 billion. And the mayor for weeks has been pushing for raises and bonuses for officers and an overall 7% increase that would make the budget more than half the general fund. There was some movement there, and we'll get to that in a little moment, but... In New York, the mayor is pushing to leave the NYPD's nearly $6 billion budget intact while slashing education for youth programs and cutting other agencies by as much as 80%. In Philadelphia, the mayor has proposed spending $977 million on police and prisons, which is 20% of the general fund. There, a $14 million increase for police comes as the city is cutting funding for youth violence prevention programs, arts and culture programs, and work development programs. So this is why people are calling for some of these things to happen, defunding the police and diverting that money to other services. Some of the changes that have been going on in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed, the school board voted to end its contract with the police department. The University of Minnesota has also pledged to stop working with police there. And there's groups there in Minneapolis, two groups in particular, Reclaim the Block and the Black Visions Collective, They're lobbying for $45 million worth of the Minneapolis Police Department's budget, which is $193 million in 2020, to be redirected into violence prevention programs, youth homelessness programs, and an opioid task force and mental health response team. These two groups have a track record of success. Last year, they convinced the city council to shift about $1.1 million from the police budget to violence prevention efforts. So this can happen. This could work. The groups have been gaining a, a lot more momentum as these things have been happening. Let's talk about what's going on in Los Angeles because there was a couple of things that Mayor Garcetti announced that he was going to do. They're looking to cut 100 to $150 million from the city's police budget. This is a, a broader effort to reinvest more dollars into the black community. I think overall he said he wanted to identify $250 million in cuts. This would be across other departments as well, uh, but they want to invest this in jobs and health and education and in healing, as Mayor Garcetti said, especially in the city's black community. As I mentioned earlier, the LAPD's total annual budget is $1.86 billion. Mayor Garcetti also said that the city's going to impose a moratorium on placing people in a statewide database for identifying and tracking gang members. This is something that reform advocates had been lobbying for. And he's also going to require officers to intervene when they see inappropriate use of force and report misconduct. I mean, this is super important because there was three officers standing by as Derek Chauvin had his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck. Obviously, those officers have also been charged now with aiding and abetting second degree murder. But these are some new rules coming out of Los Angeles where officers are going to have to report inappropriate use of force. And finally, Mayor Garcetti also said he would support the creation of a special prosecutor to review officer misconduct cases. This is another demand that activists had. These proposals by Mayor Garcetti were met with some mixed reaction among protesters and demonstrators who have been going to his house and demonstrating over the past few days. They said that, you know, it's a first good step, but things need to keep going on this front. That's kind of where we're at with the calls for defunding police It's a growing call, but it's going to be very tough to do it. A lot of these cities and states are going to have to take it upon themselves to get some of this done and and move money around if they want to go on this route. But historically, police are very popular. Gallup, they do an annual poll of public confidence in institutions, and the police rank pretty high above that. They're below the military and small businesses, but they're way above Supreme Court, newspapers, Congress, and other things that might have the power to check them. For their part, Gallup does these polls every June. So we'll have to see how all the current unrest and all the situation that's going on right now will reflect in these new polls and the confidence in police. So we'll have to see how that's going to go. And, you know, beyond that, federally, you know, the president just tweeted the other day that radical left Democrats, their new theme is defund the police. And he said, remember that when you don't want crime, especially against you and your family, he said, I am the complete opposite. More money for law enforcement. Hashtag law and order. This is going to be an ongoing conversation. I know that demonstrators and protesters have been continuing to call to defund the police, but we'll just have to wait and see how much action can get done on this front. When I speak with people around the industry, um, it is hypervigilance around this Um, and a real desire to get it right so that we don't kind of take two steps back. Joining us now is Adam B. Very senior entertainment writer at variety. Thanks for joining us, Adam.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You know, we're continuing to talk about reopening America, getting back to normal. And one of the biggest things that was still looming is how Hollywood is going to get back. How movie TV production, which happens all across the whole country. How was that going to be handled? Because It's an industry that has a lot of close contact at all aspects of production, and it was just going to be a huge undertaking. And, you know, they had a huge hit, too, to the industry. Everything got halted with regards to the entertainment industry. So one of the first big things that came out just recently was Tyler Perry. He announced that he's going to be beginning production in Atlanta in his studios on uh, two shows that he was working on starting on July 8th. And he has this plan of testing and retesting people, quarantining the cast all together so that hopefully nobody comes down with it while they're in production. Let's start there and then we'll get into what's happening industry-wide because there's a lot of stuff that still yet has to be nailed down.
1: So Tyler Perry has his own soundstage facility outside Atlanta called Tyler Perry Studios. It's a decommissioned army compound that he converted into a giant soundstage complex. And because of the nature of that facility, he can house people there while they're making his shows. And he converted his largest soundstage into the sort of mess hall where people can socially distant while they're eating their lunch. He's said that he will fly past who's out of town is private planes so they don't have to deal with commercial air travel. So the biggest thing that he's doing really is implementing a whole sort of roster of protocols that have, at this point, still remained, at least in the United States, largely theoretical as ways to start production back in as much of a safe and healthy environment as can be managed, given what's going on.
0: Now, Georgia was one of the first states to start reopening. Uh, obviously, Atlanta is there. Have they signed off on Tyler Perry's uh, plans so far?
1: Yes. He was very clear that he had been working with the state of Georgia on coming up with plans that would be safe for the state, and then also coordinating with the network that broadcasts his shows, BET, and their parent company, Viacom CBS. because what we looked at in our cover story was that all of these protocols and changes that are going to be implemented across the entire entertainment industry are not going to come cheap, that there's going to be an added cost to all of this to make sure that people can make content safely. So Tyler Perry had worked with Viacom CBS to make sure that they would back him up in paying for these procedures.
0: The industry as a whole is still waiting from guidelines from the AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. What do we know about what their plans are and when they might be released?
1: You know, when we published this story, the AMPTP was still working with a sort of industry group that included the Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA, the Directors Guild of America, IATSE, which is the union that represents essentially all of the kind of crew members that are the backbone of any production to come up with guidelines that could be industry-wide. Unfortunately, what's ended up happening is that each of those guilds were also working with their own experts and internal teams to come up with guidelines that made sense for their specific disciplines. And what seems to be happening is that there's some real disagreement about how to best to move forward with what those guidelines look like. So what we may end up seeing in the next few weeks is not one set of guidelines, but perhaps several, and hopefully they'll still be in parallel and they'll fit together in harmony, and there won't be any confusion. But what the AMPTP is really spearheading here is sort of an industry-wide group that was the plan was that they would take these guidelines to the governors of New York and California to get you know a government sign-off to make sure that the governments and public health officials were happy with the way that they were going to be proceeding. Not to get too in the weeds, but one of the major sticking points here and something that is as yet really unresolved is the size of the crews that will be going into production. Because for decades, every job that you could do on a major studio film or television set was very clearly delineated in longstanding standing union contracts and best practices, like to the point where a director couldn't move the chair that they sat in, that was somebody else's job. And, you know, a director couldn't operate the camera unless he was also part of the cinematographer's guild. It's a whole very clearly delineated set to protect the jobs of as many people as possible. Well, on a set where you want to minimize the number of people who are in a closed space together, That could possibly mean that people are double or tripling up on jobs in sort of contradiction to some of these contracts. So that is something that I think is going to be a major sticking point. And as far as I understand right now, there's no real clear sense of how that is going to be able to move forward.
0: Let's talk about briefly large scale productions versus smaller scale productions and TV on the larger side. These big productions are going to be harder to come by. And as you wrote as well, some people are saying we could see a resurgence of indie filmmakers because of this.
1: This is one of the examples of how the current circumstances the industry is facing. There's no real clear good options because on the studio side, you've got the studios have been making all of these giant 100, 200, 300 million dollar movies that require hundreds of people to make them happen and often historically have Shot in multiple locations across the world. Those kinds of productions, it's almost basically prohibitive to be able to move that kind of production forward in the current environment. Or at the very least, the costs to make those productions safe are going to be enormous or possibly taking on like an untenable degree of personal risk. On the flip side, you've got these independent productions that are leaner, smaller, often kept to just a few small locations that are much easier to control. And you can see that being very attractive to people who want to turn out content so that there's stuff for people to see. The issue there is that all of those productions have to get insured before they can move forward. They have to buy insurance for a whole host of reasons not worth getting into. But the companies that sell that insurance are not putting in any provisions where they cover a shutdown based on a COVID outbreak.
0: Tell me a little bit about kind of the difference in mindset where maybe some studio executives might be wanting to get production back and going. I know there are some that are saying we're moving a little too fast. still, And where the actors are, because obviously Mm -hmm. they will bear a big brunt of this, whether they're doing romantic scenes really up on somebody Or I think you spoke to Zoe Kravitz, who was going to be in the new Batman movie, talking about getting in the Catwoman suit and having multiple people touch her just to get started with the day, not even the acting part of it.
1: Any actor working in Hollywood has people touching their bodies multiple times a day as a matter of course, whether it's touching up makeup or their hair or helping with a costume fitting. And so I think SAG-AFTRA especially is really looking hard at how to minimize that experience for actors as they're moving forward the first part of your question on the studio side, everyone wants to get back to work as soon as possible. It is an enormously painful financial hardship for everyone to not be working. Just figuring out how to do that in a way that's safe is the question that everyone's asking. One studio exec told me that he thought that what might end up happening is movies that can be done in a sort of more self-contained way on a sound stage where it's like, with you're in a emotion capture suit, and you're in front of a or you're in front of a, a lot of green screens where a lot of the work is done in post production and visual effects, that you're able to do that more safely. That kind of movie may end up becoming more common, at least in the next year, year and a half, as things begin to open up again.
0: You were talking about minimizing kind of exposure to a lot of people in some of these plans, and even in Tyler Perry's plan, it just seems like it does make sense to have the cast and crew basically living together for yeah. a period of time while they're filming. And some of these movies can take a long time to shoot at. Somewhere in the article, it mentioned something about six months, possibly. That could be really tough for a lot of people.
1: That's what I was sort of was getting at when I was talking about these big, big, big movie productions are too big to get made right now. They require that kind of person power and time frame to get made, it just doesn't seem possible to then also house them for that long. In television, it's even more dire because even for shows that have a sort of shortened season from the 22-episode seasons that we were used to on network television, even when you're looking at a show like that has a 10-episode season, those shows still often take many months to shoot per episode. And you've got casts in every episode for that who then have to commit to being in isolation for the duration of that. And that's going to be also a big thing for the industry to sort of sort out as to how to do that in a way that is both safe for people's physical health and also their mental health.
0: Adam B. Very senior entertainment writer at Variety. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.